I think that's why um one of the reasons why that podcast is so successful. Who's Joe Rogan? Because yeah. you like when they start an episode, they've just been talking, mm-hmm. and then Jamie just hits play, you know, or like hits record at some point, mm. and then he's like, "Yeah, Jamie, we're live." He's like, "Yeah," he's like, oh, "Okay," and then they just keep talking, and they just keep having a regular normal conversation, and you can relate to it. Like some episode just starts with them in the middle of us some freaking conversation. And they'll fill you in of what they've talked about this and that. And then they just keep on going and they change topics. And that's where a podcast starts. And yeah. it's like so relatable. I, I love um, <coughs> podcasts that are just pretty like nonchalant. Go in. I, I think I said like that's why I don't like doing um, like a, a super niche podcast. I think it's fun to just kind of chat about everything and talk about everything. I mean, our car drives as we're driving from all over the place from Catula to San Antonio and San Antonio to here. Our, co- our conversations are just full of random stuff and it, it I love it me and my wife used to do this thing like on our uh, our drives from because we did you know pest control obviously drove out to Virginia and on those you know whatever they were 33 hour drives I mean it's a lot of time to talk so you're trying to think of things that were like you know who's the first person to drill a hole in the side of a freaking mountain and be like yeah this this stuff is valuable this ore this gold or mm-hmm. whatever but it's just fun. Or like, who's the first person to be like, yeah, man, if we, uh, if we, you know, chop this tree down and like dry it out, this is what we're going to build our house with. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, who's the first person to be like, dude, we're going to eat this thing that just came out of this chicken's butt. <laughs> like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> No, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's true. It's so weird to think about. It's so trippy to think about. Well, and like how many people like ate the egg like that before enough of them got sick they're like man we probably shouldn't eat this egg anymore yeah whatever the heck they called it you know and they washed it and then someone somehow cracked an egg and it fell on like a rock and it it was near fire <laughs> and all of a sudden they had like a sunny side up egg <laughs> sunny side up egg, yeah they're like oh this is a breakfast and it's it's funny too because it's like that's breakfast who who said that eggs are breakfast like yeah why couldn't we have eggs and bacon and everything for lunch why is it breakfast why is it not dinner it's so weird how we just decided, all yeah. right, well, this is going to be breakfast. <laughs> or it's like, yeah, dude, it, it reminds me of, um, like anytime you pull up to a, or like I go to a restaurant of any kind, they have like a breakfast menu, they have a lunch menu, they have a dinner menu. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it that we've established what's an actual dinner food and what's a breakfast food? Yeah. And you're like called crazy if you like eat cereal for dinner or something like that. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like people will like be like, your life's not in order, dude. If you have cereal for dinner, <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're, you're on welfare or something, bro. <laughs> cereal for dinner is just for people with welfare, bro. You don't got some bread or like a steak or like some cooked meal for dinner, bro. Your life, <laughs> your life's like oatmeal and cereal <laughs> from pop yeah. tarts, man. You eat that for dinner, people instantly think differently of you, dude. <laughs> No, it's yeah, terrible. I totally understand. <laughs> terrible, bro. Well, like even for lunch, man, they see like eat, eat zero for lunch, like or, like around lunchtime or something. They think you just got up, like you're some freaking bum that just doesn't get up in the morning and things <laughs> like that. Like, I uh, know it's funny. Do you think spam falls in line with that kind of concept? <sighs> like people eating spam? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Definitely, that could definitely be something. You ever like, had spam? <laughs> no, actually, bro, not, no. I've seen it a lot of times, and every time I've seen it, I'm like, no, I don't want to try that. <laughs> So I don't have to. I think spam's. Uh, I think it's one of those like comfort foods. It's like ramen. 
<clears throat> so bad for you, but like you eat it enough times when you're broke that you like have to go back and eat it. Wait, once you, or twice. you actually think it's good? Spam? Yeah. No. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> okay. not. No. <laughs> it sounded like you were like, yeah, that's no. good stuff, dude. <laughs> it's no, a comfort spam's terrible. <laughs> spam's terrible. Yeah, we, uh, so I love the archery hunt and we're out in, um, Island Park, Idaho, and my dad brought up like a whole bunch of different foods. And uh, one of the things he brought up was spam. And uh, dude, I'm not gonna lie, man. When you're like, when you bust your butt like all day long, hiking up and down mountains, and it's, you know, it's September when we archery hunt elk, so it's not terrible, but I mean, it's still like 80, 90 degrees or whatever. You got your backpack, you know, 50, 60 pounds of gear on. Like, you're hungry when you get back to camp. Mm -hmm. And when my dad whips up some spam, throws it in a pan, cooks it and throws it on some, you know, great value Walmart bread, dude. It slaps, man. It's good. Yeah, like, <laughs> and you could eat like anything that day, man. Whatever whatever they got with you. Whatever they got there, you're gonna eat it. You um you watch Bear Girls, the no, I have, guy? No, I have not but I did watch um the other guy, what's what's his name? Steve Irving, right? Yeah. Uh, the guy that that he got killed by that um Oh the Stingray? The Stingray, yeah. yeah. I watched that guy when I was young. I can vaguely remember it though. Um I can. I was. I was pretty young when I was watching that stuff, um, but I, I never watched Bear Grylls. No. Hmm. So Bear Grylls. Um, I, I. I don't know what to believe. I think there, there's some weird like ideas and like theories or what do you call them? conspiracy theories about uh -huh. him that he'll like go out, but then um, like when he gets lost or whatever, he'll actually have like a base camp that he goes back to or like hotels or whatever that he'll go stay in. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway. One of the things that he does like all the time that he's really well known for is like finding the nastiest foods to eat out there. Like he'll just go flip a log over, crack it open. There's this massive freaking grub, like mm, two inches yeah. long. It's disgusting. Yeah. dude. And he'll get like really close to the camera and he'll like make sure he bites it in a way that'll like squirt out of his mouth, dude. It's so freaking gross, man. But uh, I always wondered what it'd be like to be his wife to like watch that. <laughs> he comes home, you got to like smack lips with them bro like <laughs> you know the grubs are nasty too they like um they like poop you know when you like pick them up oh yeah you would pick one up and it's like, like a worm yeah just poops in your hand gross like a, a bunch though like it's like if you would just take that thing out of a log and put it in your mouth bro <laughs> like a quarter of that is poop bro gross <laughs> you're having like a, a quarter of grub is just poop yeah no thanks still some protein it probably but Gross, dude. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, he dude, he also eats like all sorts of other crap, like spiders and yeah, other know. super nasty stuff. Dude, there was this one episode that I was watching, um, and he like he killed a snake, ate the snake, kept the snake skin, and then like in order to like save fluids or something, he would like pee in the snake skin. Like he made it like this little like pouch tube pouch thing. Yeah, and then he would like drink it later. Yeah. Like, gross, dude. Yeah, I don't well, know actually, that. here's probably the worst one. I uh, I wouldn't say it's the worst, but, dude, it was, like, it's one of those ones that, like, it was almost worse than the grubs. But um, he was uh, in Africa or somewhere, but he's following this group of um, elephants. Mm -hmm. And one of them had, like, freshly crapped, right? And so he's like, yeah, you want to know a great great way no, to, dude. to stay hydrated no dude he goes up to it like and mashes no. it in this little tiny ball like puts it up over his face like squishes it and like all this nasty fluid starts dripping no. out he starts drinking it bro no <laughs> yeah, no dude. that's not okay if, if you ever got lost like in a place like that or just anywhere is there a, a line that you would draw 
actually no i probably wouldn't i mean like if you get to the point where it's like life or death you're just you're gonna drink it like that dude that guy's arm stuck in that canyon remember that guy no tell, up, me, tell me the story um it's a movie about it too oh, i forgot what it's called man but uh he uh he was hiking he was um just going like um through his canyon or something like that and um what happened was he fell down this like i don't know like opening in a canyon or something like that and uh he fell down and his arm got like and, and i think a rock fell behind him and his arm got stuck on the wall and it got pinched by the rock and the wall of the canyon actually i do remember this yeah and then he like was there for like six days i think uh, don't quote me on that but he ended up drinking his own piss and stuff because didn't he, didn't he saw his own arm off? yeah dude so he broke Bro. his arm by himself like he kind of twisted it in a way and then just like with all the force he had just broke his arm because he was gonna he's gonna be able to slice through his skin and flesh but to s you, you couldn't like i mean i don't know if you have enough power or you you have enough juice left in your central nerve system after slicing through your flesh and, and and your skin and then to break your bone so he broke his bone first broke his arm first and he's he was he's um just slid through his arm where the bone was broken and he got out but yeah that guy that guy drank his own piss um i think you just do what you got to do at that point dude you like hear stories about this sometimes and it's like if i was in that position would i be able to do that yeah you don't know either because there's also a lot of stories about people that are just dead you know <laughs> like there's a lot of story a lot of a lot of stories about people that had like not maybe that exact same thing happened to them but that got lost in the wilderness and that never survived that just you know they were found dead eventually but then you have a few of those stories where they somehow survived and you know did all kinds of things to survive um, I think you will just, I mean, if you will to survive, it's there, which I think everyone has. But I think the other part is like f your physical capabilities, right? It's like if you are not in shape. Do you, do you, you think lost. that like some people are like mentally restrained in some shape or form? Like if they, if like if you take two people, like one of them is able to go and break their arm and cut it in half and whatever to get free and get rescued. But the other person in that same scenario was like not able to do that. What do you think like are the barriers? Do you think it's like a a, a predetermined thing? Like a um yeah, just predetermined for whatever reason, whether it's genetics or the way your your mind is wired? Or do you feel like like how like what what do you think separates the two? Um, I think predetermined not in the way that it was like genetically predetermined, but in a way that like what you had happened to you in your life leading up to that point do you think it's like life experiences that i think so because like i mean some guys can't some dudes can't even see blood they pass out if they cut themselves <laughs> you know like that there's a lot of people like that you want to hear a funny story about <laughs> that so uh forever ago um i was studying to be an orthopedic surgeon so i was going to school for that um i was working at a hospital i was in the or rooms a ton and uh i would like when I went to go eat my, my lunch or go on my breaks, like I would pull up surgery videos and I just watch a ton of them, whether it was like, like one of probably the most gruesome surgeries are our hip replacements. Mm -hmm. They're just super bloody They're Anyway. And a lot of force involved in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People, you see that video of the, of the surgeon, he's like smacking the, yanking the rod it, out yeah, of him, just yeah, with his hammer, like a hammer and sickle. <laughs> anyway. So, um, I, I watched a ton of that stuff. I was there all the time and, um, I was pretty good with it. I mean, you know, I've um, harvested a lot of animals. Um, you know, I've, I, I was in Boy Scouts, like there's nothing crazy, but on some of the hikes, like, you know, kids would slip and they'd cut their knees wide open. Like, so I'm like, I'm okay with it. I'm accustomed to it. I've seen it a lot, but dude, my wife, 
right? We just had a kid in March and we, um, you know, she's, you know, in the middle of labor, pushing the kid out and dude, for whatever reason, man, I was like, just staring. I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy. I was that guy, dude. I was like, Hmm, my world is, uh, is caving in. It's going dark. <laughs> like, so no I had to way. stop. Yeah. I had to stop holding her hand, telling her to breathe, <laughs> You know, and like, I'm going to go sit down or I'm going to pass out. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, it was super embarrassing because like, I don't know, this was weird, dude. But I don't know if it was like a combination of like watching my wife be in pain and go through that whole process. Yeah. Or what. But um, man, dude, bless her heart. But well, I don't know. I don't know if there would ever come a point where like if you're like if you have to really take your arm off like that dude did. If you like pass out because you see the blood mm-hmm. and you wake back up and you know it's still bleeding, <laughs> just a, <laughs> you know, and you pass out again, <laughs> maybe another, maybe a third time or so. But I, I think eventually your body just could be like, okay, dude, there's blood. So yeah, stay awake, like keep going. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think there's definitely predetermined things like physical capabilities is a huge one because there's, I mean, I mean, there's probably a good like 90% of the population um, that could not the way that guy broke his arm to order to, to like get free, like to like break just the bone. A physical exertion. Yeah. The amount of force he had to, I mean, cause to break your forearm, I mean, it takes good amount of force and to do it yourself. I mean, yeah, I you got to make sure like you're really applying a lot of force and you make, you do it in a way where like you can't like, you know, like puss out. Yeah. Or like pop, if you just pop a shoulder out or something. Yeah. Something. Like I don't know. But like, so, I mean, the guy is obviously, he's like hiking out there by himself in the middle of nowhere. So the guy is physically like in a good condition, but like if that would happen to some random person for some reason, they're at some random place in the middle of nowhere and they can't get out and they have to do that. I think 90% of people wouldn't even be able to break their arm at that point. So I think there's like, I think more than, um, um, more than psychological barriers. It's like a lot of physical, physically, a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Um, then you hear like stories of, um, you know, like the, the Hulk strength moms or dads, like to get in the accidents, oh, yeah, you know, sure. and they lift a whole freaking car. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is just me making stuff up or if I read the article, I feel like this is an article I read, but, um, th- I think it was like a helicopter accident and the dad or the mom or something lifted the helicopter, like off the kids or something like, yeah, I've heard about this with like truck, like semis. Yeah. Like and it's like crazy. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of like, you don't really believe it. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean Eddie Hall. Um, he's a big old, yeah. big old power. Uh, he's not even a power. He's a world strong man, right? I mean, four hundred pound dude, like just a monster. <laughs> but, um, he was training to uh, to break the world record for deadlift, like a traditional. Actually, before we even go into that, what's your opinion on traditional deadlift and sumo deadlift? Um, I mean, if you just if you dare to really push your ego. <laughs> throw a lot of weight around and consume a deadlift. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the other guy that was, uh, um, I think he's like that gay strongman. Oh, yeah. That he was on Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. And he was, I think I showed you the video because you, you, you called me, like I told you about it and you were like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. But the guy's, he's saying like, if you, if you don't do it for competition and you make money from it, don't deadlift. Yeah. He's just because like, that w- w- what you're putting your body through when you're deadlifting, especially oh, if you're deadlifting yeah, yeah, heavy. Yeah. It's not worth it. Your body's not made to do that technically. And yeah. it's, I mean, I don't know. Like you look at Ronnie Coleman, right? 
Oh, dude, that dude is. And 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 granted, he's on juice. He was on juice. He was on gear, like hardcore, whatever. You, yeah. Whatever max amount of steroids you can take, that guy was on. I don't think I've ever seen a bodybuilder bigger than him. <clears throat> well, or, yeah, and, but then like so ever you since then. Yeah, you see the way he was throwing around as a deadlift and as a squad and stuff, and you see how he's walking now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling, dude. Dude, uh, you're just new, just new age gym culture in the last like 10, 15 years that's been coming up with people lifting these insane weights when they're not like just for TikTok. Yeah. Or like for Instagram. Yeah. I think those people are going to get, um, they're going to have a rude awakening when they're, when they're in their older ages. And the other part about that kind of stuff is, um, w- will you have the money to fix your hips? You can, your yeah. knees. You know, all that, that stuff costs a lot of money here in America, for especially. Like, health insurance works a little differently than um, than in, in Europe. But um, I'm just not a fan of, like... Um, I mean, it's cool to go up there and wait, right? And, like, really push yourself. But you also got to do the, you know, the, the re- rehabilitation, the, the recovery, right? Um, and you got to make sure if stuff's hurting somewhere, don't, don't keep going. <laughs> like, you know, that's not... <laughs> It's not how that works. Um, I mean, I was I, when I was young. I was like seventeen years old. I was I was deadlifting like four or five, and for me as like a, I was pretty skinny growing up. I was a skinny kid growing up. Um, I've always always played soccer, so I was skinny. Um, and then I, when I got into lifting, I wasn't even that big either. Uh, when I was around that that time, I wasn't. I didn't weigh that much. And I was trying to also cut weight and look good and all that stuff. But back then, deadlifting, like I went to a doctor um, when I was 17 to get cleared to play men's soccer. And f- he asked me if I was in gear um, because I, he said he'd, um, I looked abnormally big for someone the age. Hmm. Just not abnormally big, but like bigger than most kids in that age, right? Um, so he asked if I was in gear and then he has to have had problems with my back. You know, if I had things going on, if I lived really heavy, because he could obviously tell that I was. I was like, yeah, and I told him how much I'm lifting and stuff. And he's like, well, how tall are the people in your family? And like my half brother is like probably six one, six two, and my little brother is like six foot, six one maybe. How tall are you? Like five nine, like five. Yeah, I'm five nine. Um, and so he asked me about those things, and, and granted, I wasn't good done growing it, but he already told me, yeah, you definitely stunt your growth with deadlifts. Oh shoot. Yeah, you like there's hormone that gets released. That's what he explained to me. I'm, I'm gonna have to, you know, maybe do my own research on it. But that's just what he told me. He's like, dude, if you want to like, you know, have a have somewhat healthy body when you're in your 40s, 50s, I would stop doing all the heavy lifting. Um, Dang, dude, lift heavy. Like, I love lifting heavy. Yeah, but like, <laughs> it's a problem for me. Yeah, but it's like, and you want to because being strong is cool. And and all that stuff, but I don't know, man. You're risking uh, you're risking your well-being, um, and like just I mean, a lot of my friends like just just from playing soccer, growing up. I mean, I I think I got registered by my parents when I was like four or five years old, um, just from playing that for 16, 17 years, and we played at a pretty decently high level. Um, it, I mean, you can see the toll on, on my friend's bodies, on my body. Like, my knees always hurt. My, my ankles always hurt when I do anything. Um, and uh, I have, you know, I have friends that also have, like, just continuous problems in their groins, ankles, knees. Just continuous problems in their early 20s. From from how much they played? From how much <coughs> we played and how much, 
and how hard we played, how much tr- how much pra- uh, practice we had, how much running we did. Like all that stuff just adds up over time, man. Yeah. Um, it really does. So deadlifting, first of all, sumo deadlifting. Yeah. Just, you just throw more weight on your body, more stuff that's has the possibility to hurt you. And, and sumo deadlifting is not even a real thing. In my opinion. It's just, <laughs> oh, I can't think it's of just weird. Name. Um, oh, it's going to kill me. I can't think of his name, but anyway, um, he's a, he's a big dude on YouTube with, with lifting. Oh, Jeff Nippard. I love the guy. I think he's got a lot of really good stuff. Um, basically anything that he suggests, he always backs it up with some sort of mm-hmm. like, um, some evidence that's like hard evidence. It's a study. It's not like bro science. It's not like, Oh, well this is what's worked for me for six months. Like <clears throat> it's always been, yeah, this, this is what this study says and this is why I do it. Um, but, um, and anyway, he's one of my favorite dudes to listen to, but he, he did this like measure. Um, he, he measured like, a sumo lift then he did a, a dead uh, like just a traditional um and he says that the lifts like the, the difference or the uh the amount of uh the amount of ground you cover yeah like the, the, bar, the, the amount of bars lift, travels yeah, yeah it's all the same is what he says um but i don't think so like you look at a lot of uh, the different it definitely lifts, is not like, because you i mean if you almost like if you're halfway in the splits and you go down on your knees and you come back up that's a lot less room that you're covering just because your legs are at an angle when you le- as if your legs were straight and you stand straight. I mean, it just, just from looking at it, you can tell it's yeah. There's anyway, but yeah. So Eddie Hall back to kind of what we were chatting about that, like the human frame. Um, I'm going to butcher the statistic on this, but like your brain only allows your muscle fibers to function at like 40% or 60% or something like that. I thought it was way less than that. Really? You think so? I thought I've heard before, like it was like 15 or something like that. Oh, shoot. 10 to 15%. Holy crap. Yeah. So, I mean, that just goes to show you like your, your brain like restricts your muscles from working the way they're supposed to because our frames cannot handle it. Mm-hmm. I think that they're that, that power is there in case like we need it. I mean, especially like, as we were, you know, I wouldn't say evolving, but I mean, running on the plains of Africa, right. <laughs> I mean, fighting lions and mm-hmm. bears and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it was there for. And I think that's what we tap into when those like those really big traumatic events happen where the moms or the dads like freaking lift a mm-hmm. well, know, four thousand pound car. I think um there's been plenty of evidence of like that there were superhumans in the past. Um like they found skeletons that were like massive and, and uh or like um I think they talked about this uh, the archery what where you, you were talking about archery mm-hmm. earlier uh, about those people in England or the, the Vi- I think were, uh, they were either Vikings or they were English like from the UK they found people and uh, no they, they found um, remnants of bows and you know how like pulling back your bow is like there's a certain amount of pounds mm-hmm. right like what was it called? You pull in like yes, your draw weight. Your draw weight, right? Mm-hmm. So the your re- what's your draw weight right now? Like what what do you um, what do I, you comfortably shoot with? I think my bow is set at um, seventy five or eighty pounds right now. Seventy five um, or eighty pounds. And right. honestly, like I, like with the bows and the technology these days, like it's easier to draw back. So yeah. much easier. So so they found these bows that like had a draw weight of like one hundred and twenty pounds, bro. You can I, look this up. This is, I mean, it's real. I and just watched a, a TikTok with this guy that was pulling like an old school bow? longbow. Uh-huh. And like, he tried to show like, look, this is how everybody, you know, 
pulls their bows right now. Yeah. And he did it, did it, and like he could not pull it back like more you than a couple inches. It. And then he did this weird freaking stance thing, and it's kind of wild. You should see it sometime. But um, he was able to draw it back, but I, I don't think it was 120 pounds. I, I think it was still like 80 pounds or something small. Yeah, like those, but they found bows that had a draw weight that was insane, like to, insane to us now, where they're like, yeah, I mean, whoever these guys were that were shooting these bows, I mean, they were just Freaking different yoked. different humans. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then like, I mean, if you go back to like Roman times, like when they were fighting with swords and stuff, like they didn't have no super light materials no. that they made their swords out of or their shields. They were heavy as crap, dude. Like they were so heavy. This was all like super heavy metal. Like yeah. whatever they, they had at the time, right? It they didn't have Kevlar. And yeah, they, there was no lightweight like... You know, like, I mean, the, the stuff they put on, around their chest to protect themselves, like, that chain was, like, yeah, yeah, like, real chain metal, and those things are, like, really heavy. So, it's, like, um, I think we've just been, like, you know, just our bodies are just used to what we need to know now, like, over the yeah, hundreds of years of us now fighting with guns and rockets and, like, all this, like, huge bombs and stuff. Like, we don't need, um, I mean, you can 3D print yourself a freaking plastic AR if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, granted, I don't, I don't think it would work for that long. <laughs> yeah. It's complete plastic. But I mean, we've just been, I've just, we've, we've just been, um, over the hundred, hundreds of years, we just become, um, beings that don't need to be that strong anymore. We yeah, don't need to be. It, it reminds me, um, I, dude, I used to know like a lot of these little things or like the names and where to find the studies, but there's like certain muscles in your hands, um, that like are slowly going away. Like there's just no need for them anymore. Mm -hmm. They're just not used. So the body's like over time has yeah. weaned them out. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of little things like that. I think there's like, I, dude, I, I really strongly feel like there's some, there's like, there's like, um, these like tendencies or these like, dude, I don't even know how to explain it. Like there's just like this animal that I feel like is inside of everybody but it's been so suppressed for so long yeah. that it's just like not there anymore. And when you get these guys or these, you know, girls or whatever that um, are like these absolute workhorses or, um, you know, just people will call them like genetic freaks of nature or um, they, there's a study that was done on like Eddie Hall, like all the strong men and they call it the, uh, the Titan gene that they all carry. And I actually think that that gene isn't necessarily one that's like passed down. I think a lot of us had it, but because like you said, we have grown so accustomed to being so comfortable in how we live now. I feel like those, those genes are just slowly, you know, getting weaned out or yeah, absolved almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, um, you, I mean, if there's, you know, two people that um, have kids together that are both really skinny people um, and their parents are also skinnier people. Like, those kids are probably going to be skinny people. Like, it get, gets... Like, if you were, like, you know, that person that didn't go to war back in the day and all those things, like your family or, um, you know, and there's certain races that are clearly um, smaller than others. Like... Even even in Europe, like country to country, like dude, Eastern Europeans, man, they've their families have been fighting as of like a lot more recently than like Western Europeans. Like 
you know they had yugoslavia um like that whole war that went on there and like there's there was been there's still a lot of war and there's still a lot of hardship and hard labor going on in eastern europe and dude there's some people coming out of eastern europe i mean you see it in like fighting um organizations now but besides that man you just i mean you just find those regular old guys there like you just go to eastern europe and um you know like in prague or something and you just see big old dudes walking around with their head that looks like a freaking water canister or something <laughs> like you know like it's like what we say like um and uh there's like bigger people harder people they don't mm. really talk as much they're more reserved um and i mean like i think a good example of that is like uh the guy that's in the ufc like heavyweight champion yuri prohashka mm-hmm. he was from the czech republic dude he was like a soccer hooligan as of like a couple years ago he was no fighter from his like he was just a big old dude from the czech republic <laughs> tall dude you know had like big dude had a lot of muscle and he would just beat the crap out of the other soccer fans for like the first like <laughs> i don't know four or five years of him being like a you know a grown-up a grown-up is like 15 16 years old there um, is this grown up 15 or 16 yeah <laughs> so you know he'd, he'd just be fighting the soccer league and then he just got into mma to clean his life up and things and now he's like a freaking world champion in the in, a, in his specific weight class but it's like i don't know there's a lot of people from over there that are coming up that are you know they're they're different and um you can you can tell just going over there man they're just harder people different people bigger people um, you don't think that like culture has a lot to do with that i mean Dude, like you look at um, like the U.S. and the culture, U.S. Like, dude, like we are obese. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, <clears throat> a mass majority majority of all obese people are just here in the U.S. because like portion sizes are bigger. Like, everything is like um, tailored to make a very comfortable life in the U.S. Right? Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. There's you know different classes. You know, your upper upper middle and lower class. But I mean. The average male and female are just like overweight, and so do you. Do you think that like culture has anything to play with with that as well, though? Um, the way I think about it, and I, it's like um, the way it makes sense to me in my mind. Um, it actually, it absolutely does have something to do with it. But at the same time, like we're one of the most advanced places in the world, right? When it comes to a lot of technology and like a lot of things that come out of the u.s get adopted by the rest of the world like innovations things like that they're all good you can argue about that right but we have a lot of new stuff coming here just just not the uh not the imperial system right yeah no (laughs) no definitely not um no we have i mean there's a lot of stuff coming out so i feel like um the u.s um we're kind of a place where like we try new things we do new things like we don't stick to tradition and culture the way that those countries do. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's where I'm from in Germany. It's even that like East Germany sticks a lot more to culture and tradition than West does. Hmm. It's definitely, definitely a thing. Most people like from East Germany stay in East Germany rather than go away somewhere. Like it's, it's definitely a thing. Um, and it's the same with those Eastern European countries. But at the same time, like they are also, you know, I mean, a lot of Eastern Europe, you can call second world countries. They're not not nearly as far as advanced as as Western European or Amer- like America, um, so that with like us being a beast and things like that, do we try new things? Like we're not, you know, if 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 our parents are like, yeah, we sh- you should, like in in Germany, it's like yeah, eat your like like a 
you know, breakfast can be like a kind of a little bit of sweet, like a little bit of jelly maybe, but nothing like too crazy. And then like you have to have a good lunch. It's like vegetables, potatoes, and like some chicken or like pork or something like that. Protein like, in. Yeah, I get a big lunch in and then <coughs> the small dinner. Like we had bread for dinner every night with like butter, like real butter on it. And then like sliced meat or sliced cheese when and things like that. When so you came over here, um, like to the U.S. and um, I don't know if this is much different, but is so I, I knew a guy that came over from like the islands. He'd never had any like U.S. food ever. And like he had a really hard time adapting to our foods because they were so sweet. Like everything was super sweet to him. Like he had a hard time eating bread. Was that like yeah. pretty similar? Bread is a huge thing. Yeah. Bread tastes so differently here. Um, is it sweeter? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's hard to find the same bread. Um, uh, pasta tastes different. Pasta tastes yeah, different? Yeah. Pasta definitely t- tastes so much better back home, but what? Uh, I still love pasta. So I just eat it. What's, so. what's the difference? Like, what do you feel like makes it really better? Tell. It's a, it's a, is it a taste, texture or taste difference. Taste difference. It's a real huh? taste. Te- texture and not so much. Uh, just a taste difference. Hmm. But over here, people try a lot more. Like, um, I don't know, someone comes out with some new drink or, you know, some new sports drink that has a shiz ton of sugar in it. Or, like, you know, new food, like fried Oreos, you know, like at the freaking carnival. It's like, oh, oh dude, Oreos are good. Fried stuff's good. Like, let's try these fried <laughs> Oreos, dude. Like, let's let's chomp down this, like, crazy food and we we try a lot of things we're like i don't know i feel like it has something to do with us also being the most innovative place in the world and like us like now we have like a lot of progressive people that want to push all these new little things like we're always thinking of something new to worry about something new to try something like hey we haven't done this yet i haven't done this yet although some of the things have been done in history just in a different way but people still want to try them Hmm. um like socialism like and i'm from like a place where socialism was a thing up until 89 1989 when the wall came down so it, that's weird and then but i mean you could argue that too because china's really advanced well yeah china pe- like people are forced to do certain things yes. we're we're free here more free than europe as well we're like china is one of the most restrictive places in the world right now i mean yeah the, you know saudi arabia same thing and they're being really advanced too so you either need to force people into advancing but also staying cultured at the same time which is working in those countries because mm-hmm. a lot of those people stay cultured and stay true to their traditions but still they advance but over here we're just kind of everyone can do their own thing everyone has full agency of what they do every single day so we, we still innovate over here because we're more trying of things but at the same time like it's also our demise because we're yeah you know. so in in those countries where they've been you know stuck in socialism for so long do you like obviously there's been countries that tried right to get out of that whole a lot of people tried socialism realm um but i mean like let's just take china for example like do you feel like the people are just like so suppressed by the government that they have a hard time trying to step up and do it but also like i do you think it's in combination with like culture like no this is just it's the status quo like it's just it, it it's the same way it's always been and that's the way it's always going to be we're not going to change it Cause like, dude, like think about it. Like if, I mean, we, we've been really, you know, lucky being in the U S and having the mind frames we have with, um, I don't know, actually, actually I would say this with a lot of Americans, but if you took everything we know now and go plant ourselves in and like grew up in China or some other socialist country, like, and you see what 
like the different Americans get to do. Like, do you not feel like that would be so hard to sit and just watch that and see the freedoms that we have and like have to sit back and not get that? If you get to see it, because they don't, they don't get to see that. Well, they have saying, a, they have a different YouTube. They have a different internet. That's what I'm saying. There, they're like, so suppressed. Like, yeah, like they're so suppressed. We're like, but like, uh, how are they? How they don't know what's going on over here. They don't know what's possible. A lot of like, ninety nine percent of pop- percent of people in China, I don't think have any idea. You like, don't think so, huh? No. Well, maybe it's not ninety nine percent, but it's, it's like <clears> ninety five. <throat> it's a big. It's a, it's a majority of the people have no clue what's like. Freedom wise, it's possible. It's possible out there. They just know I am in this country. I work for my government. Like literally, I work so my government likes me. Because if you're not liked over there, like if you, you go on the internet and you throw on a VPN, you know to watch like you know American Netflix or something like that. Which I don't even know if they have like access to that website at all. But anyways, if you do something like they find that they track you, dude. They come to your house if you're not. You know, sketchy, bro. Yeah, it's really so. It's like I think um, if if you go over there now and you knew what you knew now, you wouldn't survive because eventually well, you get killed by the Communist Party. Okay, well, fl- let's uh, let's look at the flip side. Why do you think people here in America, where we are not a socialist country, why do you think they like look at that and want to implement a lot of those practices, like California, Oregon, Washington? Like, why do you think they, they, do you think they just take it for granted or what? Um, no, I think it's an emotional thing. Um, you don't want to see people suffer. You, um, I mean, you, you don't like seeing a dude at a street corner begging. No. Cause like for a second you're like, ah oh, man, I'm feel better about, real bad for this guy. But then you're like, oh, well, I mean, shoot, like, well, who am I to like, I mean, I could be standing there if I was just not turn if I didn't turn my life around or if I didn't stick to certain goals and, and, and build a certain life for myself like i could be that person right there standing there so it's like it's kind of their fault and there's times where it's not their fault at all which that's and that's where it really gets hard where you're really like why don't we just have an income for everybody they don't need to work they we just collectively need to work and we can all be happy dude but it's not ingrained in ourselves it's not ingrained in ourselves listen to this so it's kind of reminded me um one of the uh, summers i was out selling uh pest control door to door um, I was a team lead, so I, and I mean, you're, you're on the same boat for the, but for the listeners, like as a team lead, you're supposed to go out and like recruit your own team and have them come out and sell pest control for you. And, um, I recruited this one kid came out, um, you know, we spend money to fly them out sometimes, or, you know, sometimes it's on their own dollar. Uh, but I flew this kid out. We, you know, we get housing for him. Um, and a lot of this is like six month contracts with the apartment companies, even though we're only out there for like three or four. Yeah, you have to um, do that. But anyway, so we have this guy come out. This was like right around, I think this is actually the year that COVID came out. Um, and uh, he had filed for unemployment, which he got. And then he was making like like $1,200 a week or $1,500 a week doing nothing. Like having the government pay for everything. And he came to me and he goes, hey, Cade, um, I'm making more money doing nothing. So like. I'm I'm out, dude. And he freaking left, man. He flew his little little high end home, man, and uh, didn't finish out the summer. Didn't sell a single account. And I don't know what he's doing. Still, I'm sure that he's still trying to collect that couch money. But like, dude, how sad is that, man? Well, that's what the problem with it is. 
doing doing nothing is still doing something. Definitely, yeah, and it's well, it's like that's a problem, like because you're gonna have a lot of those people, man. Because I mean, I don't know, man. There's a lot of people that would love to just. Dude, I'd I'd love to sit down and not have to do anything and make money. Like that'd be freaking sweet. Yeah, it'd be great. Be great if we can do this for a living. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this (laughs) seems a lot less stressful than trying to convince people to buy a product like solar panels or pest control. Yeah. Um, Because that's what we do now. We do do solar. Yeah. (laughs) But um. That's what the problem would be, and I mean, like I have I have a I have a friend in, in Germany back home, um, um, actually a few friends we always have this discussion with, but one particularly who's very much um, left-minded, you know, and um, he has some good ideas, man. Like he has, it's all in theory, it all is all great, right? Like in theory, everything's great. I mean, in theory, capitalism is perfect. I mean, but there are sides to capitalism that are just messed up, man. Like. There are sides to that. Yeah. You know, there's problems with that. Kind of every, there's no perfect system that can, no. like, you know, s- that can serve every single human being at the same time. But it's what's the one that's most yeah, perfect, though? Definitely like capitalism. can be, you yeah, know? Definitely capitalism. Or, like, the, the U.S. Constitution is, like, I want to say, well, it is the only, or the just the longest lasting constitution that has not actually been, um, like, yeah, we've had some, you know, articles that have been, added to it Mm -hmm. but we've never actually changed the constitution itself but anywhere else in any other country that has had some form of a constitution of that sort Mm -hmm. it's always been changed like or gone away with and redone but the u.s constitution is the only one that or i would say just the longest lasting yeah right like why is that um well they they made it it's not a secret though yeah they made it so there's not not a lot of loopholes in it because um, with Germany, the, the issue was in World War II is there was a loophole in our constitution that that allowed Hitler to um, put the country in an emergency state where he could kill his political opponents and anybody else he wanted to, and it was literally legal. It's freaking. They wild. changed that after. Could you imagine what that would look like today, dude? Yeah, <laughs> it, it'd be wild. Yeah, but like they had to change that, so there was there was issues in our constitution that made that possible, even made it possible and it's you know it happens one step at a time like one little tiny step at a time so the way he set it up over the years because he came to power in 33 but world war ii didn't start until 39 so there was six years of setting things up you know what's crazy strategically going one inch one inch at a time i'm gonna catch a lot of flack for this but like like what he was like if you you take out like the horrible things obviously Dude, what he was able to accomplish and and do just through words and like just insane. I mean, as far as like being a a leader, right? Like how many people chose to start following him? Like I'm not saying that he's a good dude at all. Like we all know he's horrible and did really bad things. But I'm meaning like I like it's kind of impressive like what he did, right? Like it's um, it's really terrible, but I mean, like like you take the just the foundation, like the principles. The like, I don't think it's a. I, I mean, impressive might be the wrong word. I think it's um. Yeah, it's surprising it's not, maybe. Yeah, surprising I don't know. what he did because impressive is the wrong word in my opinion. Because um, if there was any other person of somewhat of near the same intellect, like of a you know good, good amount of intellect, and I have, I don't think I would count myself as that personally but i have friends i know like that one person i, I thought mm-hmm. of or i just spoke of 
he'd be one of those people I think has enough intellect to to if he was evil enough as evil enough as Hitler was he could have done the same thing well, well that's what I'm saying though like you I just think it's crazy like yeah you have to be really 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 evil to have and, and he wrote a book about it when he was in prison um he was in prison after World War One, I, I think and he wrote a book about it um and he detailed detailing what he was going to do anyways and you know you could really, really literally could have bought that book and you would have known what was going to happen um you know, but he, he wrote it into existence basically. But um, no, he was just so purely evil and you have to be really, really, really deeply evil to have to construct such a plan over years and then also take years to execute the plan well, to that, a T. That's exactly so the point. That's though. what I mean. Yeah. But like, the I don't think there's anything though, like the making and keeping yeah. his commitments though, like insane. But it's not, it's not his um, personal excellence that was fueling it. That's the problem with it. That's why I don't think it's impressive because it's not his personal excellence that's that's that was making him do this. It was his pure hatred and his the pure evil he had in his brain but that's, that made him do it. And and that was his um I mean that that was his his goal, right? I mean that was and he executed it perfectly, you know? Like that that's what I'm saying. Like if if you if you could get that same like drive and put it into something positive like holy crap definitely could have done something i mean uh, at the end of the day like he i mean he failed miserably and he, he was yeah. he, i mean he was so he was so consumed i mean it got to the point where he executed it to a certain point but then he it, it, like there's no follow-through yeah his well there's no fall through and there's also like um his his hatred and evil took over the the, the strategic things because if he was strategic he would have used the jews to put him on the front lines and fight in like the Russian winter. But no, he didn't. When he was losing the war, when we were clearly gotten beaten on the war, uh, on the, and I say we because I'm from there, but like if when they, the Nazis, got beat bad on the fronts, they didn't stop killing the Jews and maybe ship some out to the front lines to help support the truth. No, they, they pulled more people back and pulled more people into these concentration camps and built more concentration camps to accelerate mm-hmm. um, getting rid of that race. That's how evil he was. There's no, there's no strategic things about it. That's like, I mean, that was the, it was just insane to, to really think about how, how evil you have to be and how much hatred you have to be for a certain um, people, for a certain amount of people um, or a certain race. To, to you know to do that and i mean there's other examples of it in the world there's plenty this was one of the more recent recently documented ones but i mean what's happening right now with um you know with muslims in china that, i mean i think we're, we're like 50 60 years from now if it ever gets to the point where where china's not going to be the, the 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 world dominating power we're going to look back at that and going to be like holy crap these guys were really evil to oh, split dude. up to split yeah. up the families and, and to make them like, you know, make Muslims drink to like forget about their religion and make them sing like these propaganda songs and then take the women and the kids and put them into Chinese families to get them included in the culture because they want to be part of Chinese culture and they don't want religion, religion like that to exist in China. And yeah, it's, I mean, well, we're going to look back at that. And then the other, I mean, the other things that were never documented, I mean, yeah, things like, there's plenty of genocides in Africa. Um, you know, Stalin yeah. 
They committed a huge mass genocide. Um, I mean, what happened to the Ukrainian people even back then was like, you cannot think of it. I mean, there's books and stuff that detail things, but like, it's unimaginable how much they starve these people. If they would, you know, get out of line, you'd end up in a gulag. And, you know, I mean, homosexuality and things like that, like, (laughs) that was not a thing. It's still not a thing over there. Still not really able to do that. I mean... Yeah. yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's very interesting to to talk about these things, but what um, I want to I want to clarify something when I'm when I'm talking about, um, like Hitler being incredible or whatever it it's um it's a view it's a it's like saying the word discipline right like discipline has a negative connotation, incredible has a positive connotation, mm-hmm. but neither of them are directly correlated and tied with the word. It's what you're what you're talking about. So. When I'm saying that like Hitler's incredible, I'm saying like his ability to um, convince and and persuade the way he did, that is like insane to me. Like yeah. how, like why it took so long for, you know, things to go the way they did to stop what he was doing. Like that's what I'm saying is like, that is insane to me, yeah. right? So. He definitely had the right things put in place. It was, it was right timing. Um plenty of followers um i mean the whole nation was following him that's what i'm saying part, dude that's you know, insane like 90, to me 90 something percent of the people were like following him dude, that's what i'm to, saying is insane yeah. well i mean if uh like the following he created like i just it's it's it blows my mind well if you if if you back people into a corner enough they're gonna follow you because yeah um, if you if you make them believe their their life's in danger their their way of living their families are in danger can make him almost do anything man mm-hmm. and those people were starving after world war one they were starving they were they were you know it just in, in deep crap i mean that was the the you know there was um the biggest crash in the economy we've ever recorded in 1929 was also happening and so them the starving through the 20s and then getting hit with insane inflation in 1929 and get starving even more I mean, it was just, they were back in such a corner they were willing to do anything to get out of it. Yeah. And it kind of brings me, brings us back to, um, you know, separating the, the people out that break their arm. Like sometimes you're compelled to do that, mm-hmm. whether you want to or not. Mm-hmm. Same, same sort of principle. Yeah. Whole thing was super messed up. Yeah. If you're backed into a corner, I mean, uh, like I said earlier, 90% of people are probably not physical capable, physically capable to do it. But then again, if you're backed into a corner. Yeah you might be able to do it <laughs> yeah absolutely insane man yeah it's a uh, it's extra devil's full circle moments just now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah i mean uh small things like that still happen today um you know we're about to head into a recession it's not going to be fun for oh anybody. we're like definitely in it dude dude we're our interest rates it. with our freaking loan company for solar's gone up by eight percent i got yeah. an email these guys are what, making money. what was it like last week two weeks ago and he's like hey man uh, just FYI, you know, in uh, in preparation, dude. This is what ticks me off. In preparation <laughs> to to this quarter's inflation, we're gonna raise our dealer fees already. Like, awesome. Yeah, it's not really gonna be good for anybody. And you know, at the same time, we have uh, on the loans we give out rates rising, but then also electricity prices are absolutely going through the roof. Yeah, um, I I th- I wish more people understood. Um, what was happening. I guess maybe that's a failure on my part in clearly articulating that to our customer, but 
yeah, I think um, a lot of people have no idea what's coming. I think we've been living so comfortable for so long. Like, dude, I mean, we got our house with the 3.25% interest or 3.7%. Well, that's or nothing. I mean, like back, nothing. back home in Germany, my friend got, a, he sold it now, but he had an apartment um, that he bought as an investment property and his interest rate was like 0.85%. It's like basically free money. Um, dude, like you get people that get these like 4% or 4.5% and they freak out. But dude, do you not realize like what interest rates were like for a long time after 2008 mm-hmm. or in 2008? Like they were terrible. Yeah. And going back to the point you said, we've been living like this so, so long, so comfortably. The, I mean, it was 1992 when they had a crisis, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was 2001 and that was 2008. And that was we're 2022. Due. We are due well, we're for like something. 13, 14 years of, well, I guess 20, 2009 wasn't that great. 2010 maybe. So let's take, 2010 yeah, right. like to 2022 like the, the yeah to the beginning right? of 2022 yeah from 2010 on it was rising economy you put money in the stock market you make money you put money in real estate you make money you put money into anything everything's appreciating like it's you make money now we're 12 years into like living the high life yeah there's a lot of people that are about to feel um you know i'm i'm, I'm a little afraid for um like the house you guys bought i like the house um and I like. I think it's a good buy. It's a really good house, good neighborhood. But like, but I'm a little afraid for some of my friends that bought brand new built houses that are like that are built and then sold at the top of the market. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid for those people. I'm a little afraid to because because you know when you're young, especially if you're in a job like 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 the job we're in, a 1099 employee job, you don't have a stable income Mm-mm. kind of thing. It's always like every month is differently. Never know. Um, yeah, you never know. And, um, for them, like you might be, you might have to move to go get better work or provide for your family and things like that. But those people, like wherever they bought houses right now, they're tied down there for a couple of yeah. years. That's for sure. Because th- that home value, that $400,000 home in Austin, Texas, or in like, you know, Utah, Utah Valley. I would, yeah, it's going to take like a Utah little, yeah, t- it's going to take a dip. Yeah. And so if you're selling it, you're losing money. You don't want to do that because some of these people like they buy these houses on a 5% down conventional or three and a half percent FHA loan. So that means you barely have any down payments. So you owe the bank like <laughs> 96% of the purchase price plus interest. So it's like when you go to pay it off and you can't even sell it for what your payoff amount is. Yeah. You're going to be stuck there for a little bit. So yep. a little scared for that, but um, <clears throat> as always is a cycle to everything. So yeah. But how, how cool is it though? Like, um, Warren Buffett talks a lot about this, um, but er, and so uh, what's his name? Guy, C- Guy Kiyosaki, the uh, rich dad poor dad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they've talked about this a lot. How there are more, like there's more wealth that's created during a recession. Yeah. Like that's insane to me. And I think that if people, um, dude, like uh, like take uh, Grant Cardone. I think I talked to you about this a little bit ago. But that man is huge on like never having any cash reserves mm-hmm. ever. Always having it somewhere else. Yeah. Like. He gets his statements every single morning. If there's ever like sitting cash, he gets rid of it. Mm-hmm. He came out with a video the other day and he said, pull all of your money out of the 401ks, all of it out of your stocks, all of it out of everywhere and like have it sitting cash, like liquid, liquid cash. Yeah. And I thought that was like insane. Blew my mind. Kind of well, makes for, you think. For him, it's cool because he's such a, such a brilliant marketer. Yeah, businessman, he's so brilliant because what you'll do is you pull your money out and you don't really know 
know what to do with it. No, the average guy has no idea. So you pull like your sixty grand out, you whatever you have laying around somewhere, hundred grand, maybe two hundred grand. From for some people that make like have tech jobs or like people that make a big W two income, they might pull out a couple hundred grand somewhere and have it sitting in their bank account. But then what? Like you don't know what to do. <laughs> but then all of a sudden everything goes on sale. Everyone's like, yeah, buy real estate here, buy real estate there, buy this, buy this, buy like buy or big, buy big apartment complexes, or right? Grant Cardone's uh, and then, courses go on sale. <laughs> well, yeah, or like, well, what happens is you have that you have that money sitting in your account. You don't really know how to invest. You've never done it before. But wait, this guy that told you to do all this that was right, that that was right for you to pull your money out and have it sitting because everything's on sale now. And if you make the right moves now, you're gonna make a lot of money. That guy, by the way, you can invest all your money in real estate with him. Yep, he'll take it and he'll he'll invest for so, you. So so you go to him, you go call him up and hey, uh, Grant, like, or the salesperson. I mean, he's never gonna pick no. up the phone, but salespeople, yeah, his daughter. So might. he was right. I'm, I really like what you're doing. Um, I'd like to invest, you know. And they have a quarter million dollars sitting around. All of a sudden, you got another quarter million dollars ready to invest in those big properties that make a 25 percent return on an on an annual basis. It's insane that he's paying his investors six seven percent on. He'll probably pay more after the recession. Yeah, probably maybe, pay him, probably pay him like eight. Yeah. Probably pay him like eight or something like that, but he'll still make great returns on uh, because he's buying at the right time. So, yeah, I mean, he's just so smart about that. Um, you know, and he <laughs> he had this video back in the day. I loved it so much because uh, um, he was outside of his uh, office and there's right across the street is a big apartment complex. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, look at this. This is what this is what wealth is generated in, you know. But the average person, they don't really know how to, they don't, I mean, it's a little scary, you know. Cause you got like, you know, like a roof for this thing costs one hundred twenty thousand dollars. If you want to put some palm trees, you got two hundred thousand dollars. Roof that roof estimate is probably really low, but you want to pave the roads again, that's gonna cost you like eighty thousand dollars. You know, then you got to build a new clubhouse. It's gonna be a quarter million. So it looks a little scary for the average guy, but this is where the real wealth is created. So all he's doing in your mind is like, well, this stuff is good. I need to buy this stuff, but it's scary. I don't know how. Yeah. So. I'm going to just go invest my money with him. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's exactly that's what exactly he wants. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how he got started too. Is oh, he absolutely. Pulling everybody's money together. But so. his courses work. Yeah. They work. I mean, have you taken any of them? No, I have not personally. Uh, I've taken like the, the cheap stuff that he has, but like, yeah, uh, I've talked to people, business owners that have bought like his stuff mm-hmm. and they, they were impressed by it. Like the training yeah. works for the salespeople, I, especially he creates a sales team that can wreck. Yeah. I know a guy that went to one of his like, um, like in person, whatever trainings, and um, anyway, he does really well now. Um, he owns a, a, a window cleaning company in uh, I think it's Vegas, maybe it's Arizona. I think it's Vegas, but he does really well for himself. I think he makes like half a million a year, mm-hmm. somewhere around there, doing the stupid windows, dude. Like insane. I mean, we just started our solar panel cleaning, right? Yeah, it's going slowly but surely. Yeah, I mean, we have great results from our customers, which is freaking amazing. This means Super we cool. can literally push this. We just need to put our butt down and, and really get this going and then franchise it out to everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, it just, uh, so if everybody's listening, it's really, really sucky to clean panels. Yeah. It's expensive. It sucks. You should invest with us. Yeah. You definitely buy, shouldn't do it yourself. <laughs> it's really hard to do and really hard to start the business. So yes, it's really just fun. wait until we come to you. A lot of, a lot of upfront costs. DM us though. If you need some, uh, <laughs> if you need to want to start a franchise for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. um, yeah, I, uh, the 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 in person stuff's a lot of rah rah. I've been to a lot of in person events for real estate. Yeah. Um, um, dude, me me and my wife went to one. It's I've only been to one. Um, I prefer to like read stuff yeah. rather than go to the events or whatever. I like to get a lot of people's input because we went to this one. Um, what's the really common 
uh, real realtor bigger pockets um realtor as a whole no it, it's like um gosh dang it what do they do they're in, they're in utah um they're just a real estate company they buy and sell real estate um is it sherwin williams i mean yeah it's a realtor company yeah uh, I can't remember. Keller Anyways, Williams. Keller, Keller Williams. Keller Williams. Williams. Just paint, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so Keller yeah. Williams. I don't, I don't remember. Anyway, so we went and sat down, and they like started talking about all this stuff. And like, I wish that I didn't actually go to that with my wife, because I understood what they were talking about. But I I think they were talking to the wrong audience about it. Because they brought up this. They, they used one example of one real estate property. Buy it for 200000 whatever. I, I'm going to butcher all the numbers. But they buy it for two hundred grand. they are um, you know, they put their down payment on, on it, their month to month payments, like 1100 bucks or whatever it is. They've got a tenant in there. They're paying $1,500 for it. So like it, and those numbers, cash flow is 400 bucks a month, but then they have utilities, they have this and that. So they don't actually have a cash flow now, but then you take into account appreciation, right? And then they can, you know, take into account deep um, depreciation and like, then they're like, Oh, but now it's, now it's actually worth this. And like, it just freaked a lot of the people out in there. Like they, a ton of them started having like a lot of questions about it. And I think they, they definitely talked to the wrong people. Um, I love my wife, but they definitely turned her off to the idea of real estate. And I think it's because, um, I think they should have used like a few different examples to show. And like, and they talked, they didn't talk about building wealth, which is what real estate is. It's building wealth. It's not building necessarily a, a, a passive income like it is, but, your focus should be building wealth in that in um, in that instance, in my opinion. And um, I don't think they clearly conveyed that. They lost a lot of people on that. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of investors do not take into account that a lot of their properties actually won't cash flow because of property taxes, insurance. Which, if you have a if you do it right, you have the tenant pay all utilities. But you still should do you know if you have a management company, they're going to want eight to ten percent. 10% if you don't have a lot of properties, eight, if you have a lot, a couple more, if you have 10 plus more properties with the management company, they usually do like 8%, sometimes seven. Um, but then you want to have 5%. If you want to be safe, 10 put away every month to, for vacancies. Yeah. And you want to have 10 for maintenance reserves. So 30% of your rental income could go just to property management and then your reserves because you don't want to be stuck. Yeah. The last thing you want is when a tenant moves out and it needs the repairs need to be done. You can't do the repairs and you can't rent the place because mm-hmm. then you're paying your mortgage insurance and everything, which is a very bigger bill. You have a nasty freaking house sitting there. Exactly. And, uh, Whatever. but yeah, so people don't take that into account. Um, and then a lot of times their, their properties won't cash flow. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not always terrible because you have payment, uh, payment, uh, debt pay down by mm-hmm. your tenants. So your tenant paying down like on a regular 30 year mortgage at the current interest rates, you're getting about a thousand, uh, uh, I think it's like a six or six to 7% return just on the pay down from your tenants. Mm-hmm. Then you got depreciation, which helps you um, lower your taxes and things like that. Um, those, and if you do straight line depreciation, those can be like a 13, 14, 15% return, something like that. Then you have appreciation, which can be, in recent years like 50 percent in a year or some <laughs> crap like that or Stupid. like regular like a regular like four to five percent appreciation every on a yearly basis and then you have your rent that goes up by three percent every year so there's a lot of and you, you, those those rois that i was the percentage I was, I was mentioning those those are not they all don't come together as like oh the average number is like a 13 percent roi so i'm like no they all add up so like a property you could be buying that has a 10 percent cash flow 
like on your investment that you still have in the in the in the account could be a 40% ROI property. Yeah. So, but at the surface it doesn't seem like that. At the surface it doesn't seem like that and you got to do everything right for it to be that way. Yeah. You got to make sure you have the right accountant that helps you with your taxes and all those things so you can take take advantage of your full appreciation and do you want to use straight line depreciation or other forms of depreciation to avoid taxes that year but the next year you know you're not gonna have as many taxes and things like that like a lot of different things to go about and then you know um airbnb was such a huge thing but like a lot of the benefits you get from rent having actual rental you don't get from an airbnb some of those benefits yeah but then at the same time you have a much higher cash flow so there's always things to calculate with that but in a market like this, Airbnb is not going to do well. Yeah. Um, I've started to see that too. Um, I mean, we're in an Airbnb right now. That's why you kind of have like a slight echo or random stupid sounds. But I mean, we're in Airbnb right now. It's a, uh, what, one, two, three, there are three beds. Three can prob- Yeah, three bath. Right on the lake out here in, in Brownwood, Texas. Super pretty area. Fishing. There's a boat dock there. And it's uh, 150 a night. <laughs> like... Yeah, that's the. I think the original price on it per night was like three sixty or something like that. But I like, and I, and I know it's you know beginning of October, so they're they're probably not booking out as often. But like that, I mean, just that alone, like, should show you that Airbnbs are just not doing super hot as as once you know as they once were. I think it's just part of the market, but maybe even area. Yeah, in certain cities, they can do well. For sure. I mean, I think I think there's certain places that they'll continue to do well, like just year over year, just due to where they're at or the events or different things that you know you can do while there. But I think uh, they're going to slow down a little bit. Kind of reminds me of um, like the craze with. Actually, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole because I, I I don't even know how to compare it. <laughs> I was going to talk about like. The craze with like Dogecoin, you just have like so many random people that have never done any investing. They've never done anything like, I mean, crypto is, is still a pretty new concept, like still very new. Um, and you got, you have these guys that just like started throwing tons of money in and pulling it out and throwing it in and pulling out. And like, it was just all over the place. And so Some I think, oh, huge tax bills now. Huge. And so I think that um, like they're, the Airbnbs and stuff like it, I think they're starting to become like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Turo's another one where you just have these guys like out of nowhere. They're like just starting to do all sorts of random crap. They've never done it. They're just like winging it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's throwing the the traditional market for either type is, I think it's throwing it off a little bit. I don't know if you see that or feel the same way, but. Yeah, definitely. And, it's, and remember, there's always like a, there's always someone pulling from the other end. To profit yeah. on the other end of, <laughs> of things, you know, like yeah. rental car companies are there to profit when Turo's going down the drain and things like that. But I mean, there's also a company right now that they just recently got an $8.6 billion valuation. What, the what IR- company was it? The IRS is going to be using the company now. Um, they have their services they offer to the government where they can track your crypto. Like, you know, how, you know, people are like Bitcoin is anonymous, all those things. And well, you're, Bitcoin address, whatever address you're using, whatever wallet you're using, is still registered to your name somewhere. Yeah. Even somewhere if you, down even the if line. you even if you hold your Bitcoin in seventy different wallets, there's a software now that the company developed that can track down to who actually owns this. So they're gonna find out and they're gonna tax you. <laughs> so it's, they're gonna um, get their money, man. It's they're gonna get their money, man. They 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 really will. So, um, 
definitely going to have to be careful with that um, because there's always someone pulling on the other end willing to profit off, you know, what's going on now. So, well, dude, that's like, um, I did, I do foreign exchange and, um, they call it HFX, which is high frequency foreign exchange. Um, you just, you just buy and buy and sell different currencies. And, um, it's a, it's the weirdest thing. You'll see that all the time because I trade in like really short sessions, like three to five minutes. And did you'll see it, you'll see, you know, a certain market on an uptrend and you're hoping it continues to go up because then you can make your profit. And then out of nowhere, it'll just freaking tank like out of nowhere. And when it's big pulls like that, it's almost always a big bank or someone that is watching it. And they're the one that, that facilitated that, that directional change. And it's like, dude, like the people that do well in that industry are the ones that understand the psychology of the banks. Oh yeah. If, they, if you can, under, if you can think like an institution, you're going to make money in it. But yeah. a lot of people can't, it's really hard to do it. As well. like but you if gotta, you can, then you can make money. In it's it. just like with your time too. Like if you think as a CEO, you'll start treating your time and the things you do as a CEO, yeah. you know, wild. 1000%. Cool. Well, I think we can uh, wrap it up. It's pretty, uh, pretty solid. Pretty long podcast. <laughs> longest one yet. Yeah. Longest, longest one yet, man. You can do another one in the studio when it's finished. Yeah. It'll be sweet. Studio is almost finished. We're going to be painting it. I got a table in there. I got lighting coming in so we can start throwing stuff on YouTube. That's freaking fun. But I think it'll be cool. We'll talk a lot more about our business, what we're doing with it, how it's growing. Um, I think it'll be sweet. Yeah. Got soundboards up so you don't get stupid echoes or random noises in the background. Yeah. But these mics fun. are super sensitive anyway. It'll be fun. Cool. Cool, dude. Well, Tom, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Appreciate it. Okay. Till next time. Yes, sir.